at Victory Life. Uh, in fact, he's the campus pastor at Victory Life of Maybank. I'm going to ask Pastor Zachariah to go ahead and come forward. Give, give him a hand praise this morning. Valentine's banquet was awesome. It was an amazing time. Uh, it was great fellowship, and you know, I was sitting back in the booth when I was having to run the sound during the uh, the part of the banquet where the couple was sharing. And I looked around, man. It was just couple after couple, after marriage, after life, 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 reconciliation, restoration, just all the miracles that God has put together and done in this place. And it was really encouraging to look around and see that. Because, you know, sometimes ministry can get discouraging by what we see. But there's so much good going on, and it's a blessing, amen, to be a part of something so awesome as Victory Life. But uh, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 11, and um, I'm going to be very brief, I think. That guy that shared at the banquet, he came up to me, he said, uh, you made me laugh. I was like, why? He's like, well, you started the sermon the other night by saying you're going to be very brief, and you preached for 45 minutes. And he said, I don't, I don't want to know what it's like when you're not brief. But I believe I'm going to be brief this morning. I, uh, I want to talk about something that's pertaining to uh, this holiday that we just had, which is Valentine's Day. Um, even though it may be a pagan day, it's a good time for us to recognize where our true love comes from. And that is God. And I believe everyone in here, we are God's Valentine. Come on, somebody. Amen. You see, don't get it twisted. You may have been single this last Valentine's Day, and sometimes you can get uh, your mind twisted, and you can start thinking and looking at things wrong. You know, sometimes we think, well, God's holding us back from something. God's holding us back from someone. When the reality is God is holding you for something, for someone. And that's the reality that you have to wake up to. Amen. See, you're God's son. You're God's daughter. Hello. God ain't just going to let you, you know, hook up with just anybody. You know, he's looking out for you. But this morning, very briefly, I want to talk about something uh, that the late, great prophet Tina Turner once said. What does love got to do with it? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, what does love got to do with it? I'm going to be honest, it's a little outdated for me. I don't even know who that is. That's the only part I know is, what does love got to do with it? That's it. Let's get back to the scripture, amen? 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, and the word of God reads like this. It says, beloved, who's that? Who's the beloved? That's us. Christians beloved let us love one another for love is from God come on now it comes from God God is love it originates from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God so this tells me if I'm not born of God and I don't know God then I have an incapability in order to love amen 
The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If you find a hard time loving one another, then you need to get back to your roots and understand how much God loves you. Amen. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that's here this morning. God, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word, God. Lord, I pray, Father, that your word doesn't come back void, God, that you allow me to share it with wisdom, with an anointing, God, and allow us to better understand how much you love us, God. And to not walk away here, God, feeling discouraged because we may be single or feeling insecure where our marriage is at right now or, or walking out the door saying, man, like, how did I get here? But God, let us walk out of here encouraged, knowing that we're your children and that you love us so much that you sent your only begotten son to die for us in order for us to have intimacy here on earth, God. We'll pray all this in Jesus' name and all the saints said. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise in the house. What does love got to do with it? Amen. It feels good to be in the, the house of God this morning, don't it? Amen. Feels good to be in a house where the presence of the Lord is welcome, where the Holy Spirit is welcome. Amen. I, uh, I was entertained by a story not too long ago about a woman, and this woman, you know, she drove a hoopty and you know, she, she wasn't too well off financially, and she didn't dress the best, and she had drove to a, a church on a, on a Sunday morning, and she'd come to the, the church door, and she got stopped by the ushers. The pastor said, hey, hey, don't let her in here like that, because, you know, it's, an, it's a stuck-up church, can I be honest, and it's, you know, fancy, and, you know, they only let uh, certain dressed people come in and of high standard and, you know, renowned people, and she comes to the door, and uh, the pastor says, go tell her to uh, come back in a few days, so the usher greets her, and he said, hey, uh, why don't you uh, come home so we can think about if we can, you know, let you in here. And so she goes home three days. She comes back to the midweek service, and she comes back, and she's all ready to come in, still driving the hoopty, still dressed the same. And the pastor greets her, you know, at the door and says, hey, why don't, you, uh, why don't you go home and study for a week and uh, then come back and try and come in? So she did it, and the next week she was there faithfully. And so, you know, the pastor's just trying to, you know, get this woman to, to steer clear of this church. And finally he comes up to her and he's like, hey, you know what? Why don't you take a couple weeks before you try and come back in here, and why don't you go home and pray? And so the lady says, well, okay, this is a whole lot to, you know, get accepted into a church. Well, she goes home and prays, and some time goes by, you know, uh, a month, month and a half, and they don't see her anymore. And uh, one day while the pastor's out at Starbucks or something, the lady comes into Starbucks and he's like, oh, man, there she is. And it's kind of it's messing with him because he's like, man, I told her to come back two weeks. She didn't show up. And so the lady comes up to the, the pastor in Starbucks and, and the pastor's asking her, why didn't you come back in two weeks? I told you to go home and pray in order that you can be invited into our church, that you can come into our church. And the lady said, oh, pastor, I did. I did go home and pray. I went home and prayed, and Jesus told, I said, Jesus, I really want to get into this church. I really want to be invited into this church. And Jesus replied. He said, woman, don't worry about going into that church. I've been trying to get in that church for 33 years, and I still haven't been invited in. Amen. 
So it feels good to be around the real. Come on, look to your neighbor and say, hey, we in the real. Amen. It feels good to, to experience God's presence on a daily basis. It feels good to be in a diverse group of Christians. It feels good to not be in just one sect or one skin color or one upbringing or one culture. It feels good to look around and see many different faces and many different skin colors and many different ages and many different people and know that we're all family bought by the blood of Jesus. And that's the type of home church that you have here. Amen. You may or may not this year have a valentine, but like I said, don't get it twisted because God is your valentine. Amen. God is love and love is also the first fruit of the spirit. And, you know, it, it kind of trips me up as I kind of, you know, studied this word love and, and, and dug into this, uh, this sermon. You know, perhaps no culture in history has spoken about love so much, but yet understood it so less than our culture that we live in today. Think about it. You know, we, we have the word love. We use it for everything. And, and, and if you think about it, love is one word, right? You know, I tell my wife I love her. But then I look at my dog and I say, I love you. <laughs> and sometimes I get questioned whether I love the dog more than my wife. But I love my son Lucas. But hey, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? I love tacos too. Amen? <laughs> I love tacos. I love to watch sports. I love to come to church. I love Jesus. I love my pastor. I love my brothers in Christ. I love Jordans. I love, so we use this one word in all these different ways, and, you know, it kind of trips you up. Well, do you think we just throw this word out there? We kind of misuse it a little bit. But the only way that this one word could have multiple uh, uh, meanings and be used in multiple ways, there's only one way that it has multiple definitions, this word love. And in the Greek language, which is what the New Testament is written in, there is four different types of love in the New Testament. Four different types of love. The first one is eros. The second one is phileo. The third one is storge. And the fourth one is agape. Amen? These are the four different types of love found in the New Testament. And so I briefly want to just touch on these subjects. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and get this one out the way, ladies and gentlemen. The first type of love that the Greek Testament begins to speak of is called eros. And this is where we get the word erotic, believe it or not. In this love, ladies and gentlemen, this is a sexual or a romantic love that is only found in the confines of marriage. Can I get an amen? amen. I said marriage. <laughs> amen? Hebrews 13, 4 says, Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. And so the writer of Hebrews first tells us, is like, hey, once you're married, hey, amen? Love shows its ways in many different ways in the marriage bed. But only in the marriage bed, because if you try to replicate that love outside of the marriage bed, it says God will judge you. And so this type of love is only found in the boundaries of marriage. And in 1 Corinthians 7 and 5, the, the Paul writes to the Corinth church, he says, hey, when you're married, don't deprive one another. And so this is biblical stuff. This is scriptural stuff. And, and eros, this, this love that I'm talking about, it's the intimate love reserved, reserved only for marriage. And, and what kind of stumps me is as soon as you use the word sex in church, everybody gets a little uneasy. 
we want to cover our children's ears and we get a little uneasy. And it's really kind of tripped me up as I thought about that because the Bible often talks about sex and the Bible often talks about sex in marriage and it often talks about judging people who aren't married having sex. So why do we get uneasy talking about it in the church house? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the devil wants it to where we're scared to teach about it. We're scared to talk about it. We're scared to instruct about it. And I'm going to tell you this right now. If we don't do our part of teaching people biblical uh, meaning and scriptures about sex, guess what? They're going to go learn about it somewhere else. You got these PG movies these days, and there's all kinds of crazy stuff in these movies. You go get a G-rated movie, and there's crazy stuff in there. Are you with me? And guys, sex ain't dirty. Can I get an amen? It's not. God created it. But we don't talk about it much in church because all of a sudden there's an uneasiness and, and, and now it's perverted. But the enemy wants us to continue to ignore this, this topic because he wants to continue to deceive people about it. And saints, we've given too much room to the devil in this area. We've become too quiet about it on the topic of love that's found in the, the confines of marriage. That's why we have children running around trying to figure it out on their own and, and figure out where the boundaries are and figure out, well, are you allowed to do this and you're allowed to do that? Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, guess what? Holiness is still in and sex is only for the marriage bed. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. For some of you daughters out there, the marriage bed ain't till you're 28. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Amen. You wait till you're 28 years old. Anything before that, you know, we got a shotgun waiting in the front door. Amen. But these are where the boundaries are. It's only found in marriage. And it's, it's an intimacy. And you got to understand this eros that it talks about, this intimate love. Listen, guys, it's not just... And I know I'm going to step on, I'm going to hurt some people's uh, lives when they go home. It's not just sex, okay? It's intimacy too. It's intimacy. I was on the way home uh, yesterday and we were listening to a preacher. Uh, me and my wife was on the way back from eating on my parents for Valentine's Day and a, a preacher w was sharing and he was talking about how in intimacy in your marriage isn't just sex. One of the most intimate things you can do is wash the dishes when you get home. So immediately, I'm looking over, hoping she's asleep. I'm trying to change the, change the sermon, change the time real quick. She snatches the phone up and says, oh, no, we listening to this. You put this on. Oh, no, this is God's act. Holy Ghost. Dang it, I thought she was asleep. But that's what he's talking about, this eros, that intimate love in marriage. Are you with me, saints? I'm talking about love this morning, eros. It's only found in marriage. And I'm going to tell you right now, brothers, if the only reason you're trying to run to the altar is to chase this eros love, you're in for a world of hurt. Amen? Because marriage isn't just about eros love. Because eros love sometimes is going to fade, and I'm going to get into this, and there's got to be more than just that eros love in order to glue a marriage couple together. Are you with me this morning? Amen? So Eros, I had to knock that one out the park first. Boom. Done. We're out there. So Eros, this is one of the, the, the many translations of love in the Greek Testament. And uh, number two, the second type of love that we get in the New Testament is derived from the word philio. And this right here, brothers and sisters, this is a brotherly love. This is the love you have for your neighbors to the left and the right of you. This is the love you had for your church brothers and sisters in the church house. 
This is your love that you have for your friends that God has put in your life. Phileo, it's this brotherly love. And, you know, as I studied this, I actually found out uh, this is where Philadelphia actually gets its name from. Because, you know, Philadelphia is known as what? The city of brotherly love. And so Philadelphia gets its name from this Greek word phileo, which means brotherly love. And in Romans 12.10, the word of God says this. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. And this love is shared between friends and members of the body of Christ. You see, like I, like I was saying when I opened up, this love, it means we all fight together. Even though we may not have the same blood running in our veins, we're here for the same cause. Even though you might not have my last name, you also have my daddy's spirit inside of you the way I have his spirit inside of me. So we're all here for the same cause. We have the same dislikes and the same likes. Even though we may not have the same last name, how many know phileo, we're still called to love each other like we're family. And I can tell you right now, not all of my family look alike, praise God. Amen. Go to Mark chapter 3, verse 32. Not all my family look alike. Look around this room. There's a bunch of different faces. A bunch of different skin colors, a bunch of different ages, a bunch of different cultures. Not all my family look alike, amen? amen. And in Mark chapter 3, the word of God reads, it says, A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, they're talking about Jesus, they said, Hey, Jesus, he's in there doing the will of God. He's doing ministry, doing the purpose of God. He said, Hey, Jesus, behold, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. And answering them, he said, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who were sitting around him, he said, behold, these are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother, he is my sister, and she is my mother. Are you with me, saints? You see, in America, we get so tribal. We only want to hang out with selective groups of people. Well, are you Democratic? Okay, we can hang out. Well, are you Republican? Oh, we can hang out. Oh, are you black? Okay, we can hang out. Oh, do you like rap music? Okay, we can hang out. Oh, do you, do you associate with them? Okay, we can hang out. We get so tribal. But, you know, that's not how God has called us to be, church. God hasn't called us to be tribal. He's called us to be unified. And unity doesn't mean that we all look the same, talk the same, and act the same. Unity means even though we look different, we talk different, and we act different, guess what? There's something that bonds us together, and that's the blood of Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the cause of Christ. That's what bonds us together. Phileo says we are all family, brothers and sisters, bonded together. And each of us in here, we all have a comfort zone. Each of us has a group of people that makes us feel comfortable. You know what I'm talking about. And certain people we get around, it makes us feel uncomfortable because maybe they're a little different than us. Amen? But as the church, as Christians, as the body of Christ, we need to extend beyond our comfort zone and understand that the love of God is what brings us all together. Are you with me, saints? 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 and 2. Here's another depiction of this phileo love. The word of God reads, it says, Now it came about when he had finished speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. Wow. This is that phileo love. 
And Jonathan loved him as himself. They were brothers. Amen? Nowadays, if you got two brothers that, that love each other, you talk about it, everybody thinks you're talking about something you ain't supposed to be talking about. That's crazy in our culture we live in. And it says, Saul took him that day and did not let him return to his father's house. And that's why you have to also understand that you got to be careful who you hang around, brothers and sisters. Because there's something spiritual that happens with those that you connect with and begin to do life with. Amen? There's a transference that happens between you and that person. That's why we tell the guys in the ministry homes, like, hey, if you're constantly hanging out with people using drugs, then eventually, brothers, you're going to be using drugs. Because that's what you're around. That's what's being talked about. That's what you're being influenced by. Are you with me? So you got to watch who you keep around. But this relationship between David and Jonathan, it was a friendship, but they experienced this phileo love. And that's why it's very important to watch who you hang around. Come on, turn your neighbor and say, who you hanging around? Sometimes when we want to know your condition, we ain't even got to know what you're doing. We just got to watch who you're hanging with. Amen? Or oh me. Phileo. Amen? We got eros. We got phileo. And this third one is called storge. Storge. And this storge love, this is a love that we have for family, actual family. Like when Faith had baby Lucas, that was the love she had for Lucas because of the relationship. You know, one comparison could also be the love that brothers and sisters have for each other, the love a parent has for a child. Amen? This storge love. You know, it's like a little girl who gets sent to time out because she's acting out. She writes a letter to her mom (laughs) And she says, dear mom, I hate you. Love, Sally. <laughs> it's like that kind of contradicts itself, don't it? I think what the little girl was trying to get at is, mom, I don't like you right now, but I will always love you. And so that's what you have to understand when it comes to love in Christianity. You may not like the person, but you're called to love the person. Amen? Amen. You see, you may not like what God has you doing right now, but you have to love who God is. Are you with me? You ain't got to have a liking, but you got to have a loving. Amen? And in Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, 29, you see, though the Bible doesn't specifically use this word storge, it does have a scripture referencing the lack of, of this storge love. And it says, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, and right there, unloving. It says they were even void of the love that they should have for their mother or their father or their sisters or brothers. There's a, there's, it's saying there's a void of it. And it's this, this love you have for family. And saints, all these loves can be corrupted. The eros, the phileo, the storge, they can all be corrupted. 
You see, phileo can be corrupted through manipulation and wrong motive. Amen? Your, your friends can begin to try and manipulate that love you have for them. They can begin to have wrong motives for that love you have for them. Eros obviously can be corrupted if it's trying to be, it's, it's trying to be produced outside of the confines of marriage. Are you with me? Storge can be corrupted through idolatry. Because sometimes the love we may have for our children can become idolatry if we're not careful. So all these loves can be corrupted. The phileo, the eros, the storge. But this last love that I have to talk about, this love is called agape love. Come on, say it with me. Agape. Agape. Sounds like some kind of fish. Agape. 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 Go back to 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. And the word says this. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Amen. And this agape love, brothers and sisters, this love is a love that is completely selfless. Completely selfless. Romans 5, 8. Completely selfless. And the word of God reads, it says this, but God demonstrated this love towards us. He showed us this agape love. He showed us this love that's unconditional, that's completely selfless. And that while we were yet sinners, while we were still out there running our mouth about God, leading people astray, living in sin, spitting in God's face, when we were still out there doing all that mess, Christ died for us. You see, saints, Christ didn't die for us when we had it all together. Amen? Christ didn't die for us when everything was going good in our life, when we were making all the right decisions. Christ didn't die for us when we were living holy and we were holier than thou and we played by the rules and, and we upkept everything. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. Well, we were in our broken state, when we were hurting, when nobody else wanted us, when the world turned its back on us, when we were burning bridges, the Bible says Christ died for us when we were in that state. Even when the people weren't even going to receive what happened on the cross, Jesus said, I don't care, I'm still dying because I love them. And this is the type of love, brothers and sisters, that God has called us to emulate this is the type of love that God has called us to carry. This is the type of love that God has called us to display to the world. And this type of love right here, you got to understand, this love is a choice. Amen? This love is a choice. Agape love is unconditional. You know, I had a brother ask me the other day, well, what's, a, what's an example of agape love? And I started to think, and I was like, man, well, if you're a believer and you've been saved, do you need another example of agape love? Because that within itself is the biggest example of agape love. Agape love says, hey, I'm going to choose to love you even when I got all the facts saying I shouldn't love you. Even where I know where you just come from, but I still love you. Even though I know what you just did, I still love you. And that agape love is selfless. You see, the Bible says it's real easy. Even the Pharisees, the religious people of the day could love those who did good to them. It's real easy to love someone and show love to someone who can give you something. 
It's real easy to show affection and love someone that has something you want. But the Bible says that we are called to emulate that agape love and to love those people who even do us wrong. Can I get an amen? amen? It says for us to love our enemies, to love those who persecute us, to love those who come against us, to love those who've been talking bad about you with the rest of their family over lunch, to love those people. Huh? To love those people. This is the agape love. And you got to understand, man, the, these other loves, you know, sometimes they can fade away. You know, as my pastor, you know, told us at the banquet is the more he falls in love with God, the more he falls in love with mom, the more he falls in love with Miss Heather. Because you got to understand that Eros love, you know, sometimes it can drift away from time to time. That phileo love, sometimes it can drift away from time to time. And even that storge love can drift away from time to time. But as a Christian, this is where that agape love that's been shed abroad in our heart begins to bubble up inside of us. And it allows us to love the unlovable. It allows us to to show the love that God showed us when we were in that sinful state to someone else. It's that supernatural, uncontrollable, unconditional love that has no power from us. And it comes from the heart of God. This is the type of love we're called to emulate. We're called to carry. We're called to display. It's this unconditional love, saints. Amen? But sometimes, you know, because of, because of works or because of busyness or, or because of sin or because of whatever, sometimes we can drift away from the love of God and we can honestly forget how much God loves us based on what he's already done for us. And then when we get to this point, it becomes real hard to love those that are unlovable. Amen? Because we ain't got nothing to draw from. And in Romans chapter 5, the writer of Romans tells us, he says, hey, the Holy Spirit has shed abroad the love in your heart. And so you got to have the Holy Spirit in you to be able to love like God loves. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 told you I'm going to be brief. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. 1 Corinthians 13, they call this the love chapter. Amen? The love chapter. Yeah. To the young ladies in here, you need to memorize this chapter. As soon as that joker said, well, if you love me, you'll let me... You whipped out that Bible and you say, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient. Can I get an amen? Amen. Love is patient. And if that don't work, you go tell your daddy. That's good preaching, ain't it? Love is patient. Love is kind. And is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Come on, go back. I'm going to read that again. This is real, the agape love that we're called to carry. We're called to emulate. We're called to display to the world. Does not take into an account a wrong suffered. This is the type of love we're called to contain inside of us. When someone does it wrong, we don't hold it against them. 
I bet too few of us in here, man, are so easy to hang on to a grudge. Amen? Some of us hug on to a grudge for years. I mean, it gets kind of wild. You walk into, you walk into church house, somebody says something you know, mean to you, look at your face, and you're like, man, I don't even remember what I did. They hold on something from three years ago. But this is the type of love we're called to emulate, we're called to carry. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness. This love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. You know brother, brother so-and-so? Can't wait for them to fall, man. I can't wait for them to make a mistake. Ooh, I can't wait for that position to be open. I can't wait for him to, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, that ain't love, brother. They're going to nickname you Brother No Love. <laughs> brother No Love. Always waiting for somebody to slip up. I'm going to tell you right now, hey, you don't want a position if God ain't calling you to a position, brother. I'm going to tell you that right now. Amen. You don't want it unless God wants it for you. Amen. Does not rejoice in righteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Come on now. Rejoices with the truth. I don't care if it hurts. I don't care if it offends. Love's truth. Bears all things, believes all things. And this is something that, man, that I've really seen in my pastor's life that I begin to try and catch. And it, it's crazy because even though there's all these things that stack up against, you know, people when they're going through this and doing through that and the rumors go around and, and you know, pastor says, you know what? Well, we're going to believe the best before we know anything else. And this is what true love does. True love says, you know, we're going we're gonna to take them at their word until we've been proven otherwise. We're going to believe the best about them. We're going to believe it. Are you with me? That's the agape love we're called to carry, we're called to emulate. Hopes all things, endures all things. We got one more, I think. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. Come on now. This whole chapter is about this agape love, saints. It's God's love. It's the chosen love. And the reason this word, this agape love is used over and over in this chapter is because this love is the most important thing in our walk with God. It is the foundation of who we are as children of God. Amen? If you're really operating in an agape love, you want the best for someone no matter what expense it is to you. Amen? And so I'm going to ask you, just like Tina Turner asked years ago, what does love got to do with it? 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, let's take it back up. Check this out right here. You know, because a lot of times, you know, you can, you can bring brothers and sisters, you know, of God. You can bring saints in and you can say, hey, uh, hey if I asked you, man, who, who's the most mature Christian you know? And sometimes we can get it twisted. Sometimes we can say, oh, oh, so-and-so, man, he can preach. Oh, man, he can preach so good, man. He got the fire of the Holy Ghost. He can, he's a strong preacher. Or sometimes we can be like, oh, you know, uh, sister so-and-so, she's such a good singer. Man, she's just so anointed when she sings. Man, the Holy Spirit just drops when she sings. Because sometimes we can mistake gifting for maturity. But what we have to understand is the most mature thing that you can check in a Christian's life is do they got love. And the word says this, if I speak with tongues of men and angels, if I can speak with the angels... I could be chopping it up with Kenyon and I could turn over and start chopping it up with Gabriel. If I could, you know, speak with these amazing heavenly tongues, but I have not love, 
I just become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all the faith so as to remove mountains, there's the faith to move mountains, man. But I have love, don't have love, I have nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I do this for God and do that for God, and I, I give this for, for the poor, and I help these people, and I go out of the way to do this and do that, and I do all these service and works, and if I surrender my body to be burnt, whoa, but I do not have love, it profits me nothing. Amen? And so I'm here to tell you this morning, brothers and sisters, this agape love, this love, it has everything to do with everything in our walk with God. One of the telltale signs of a mature Christian is do they got this agape love? Amen? 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, Now faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. Amen? You know the reason you're in here today is because God loves you. Amen? John three sixteen. What's it say, church? So how does that scripture start? For God so loved the world. And so when it comes to salvation, love has everything to do with our salvation. Love is the origin of our salvation. Amen? And God's love will pursue you. And God's love will keep you. God's love will chase you. Amen? You think that old boyfriend you had in high school was a stalker. God ain't playing no games. God loves you for real. Amen? Even when you don't love yourself, Bubba, God still loves you. Even when you don't love God, God still loves you. You can't shake his love. You can't get away from his love. Amen? And the Bible tells us that nothing can separate us from his love. Even when you're in sin, God still loves you. Even though you may not have communion with God because of your sinful state, nothing can separate you from the love of God that he has for you. Amen? Nothing can separate you from it. Yeah. And sometimes God's love is the only thing that holds us in these hard times. It's the only thing that, that, that has us in these hard times. You know, I told a story, you know, before um, of an alligator attack of a, a child and. It was a dad and a son, and they were out fishing one day, and the son had reached over out of the boat and uh, dropped his fishing pole or something, was going to grab his fishing pole, and uh, he was starting to get over the boat, put his legs over the boat, and about that time, an alligator came and snapped up his legs, and the alligator started pulling the the young child down off into the the water, and at that time, the father grabbed the child's arms, and, and it was like a tug of war between the alligator and the father. And the father was just pulling and hanging on tight. And the, the gator was just, you know, jerking and, and, and trying to tear into the flesh and pull into the water. And finally, you know, the father's grip prevailed. He finally got him in the boat. Just a bloody mess. Pieces of flesh everywhere. Blood everywhere. Just big chunks out of the leg. I mean, it was a horrible, horrible uh, scene. Like something out of a horror movie. And so they ended up getting him to the hospital. And 
they go to the hospital and, you know, they, they patch him up and, and cover him up and, and get, him, get him doctored up and the, the local news channel gets involved and the local news channels, you know, doing the story, you know, on their, on their network and they begin to interview the, the child and they're like, well, let us see your legs so we can show it on TV and, you know, the, 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 the child, you know, begins to show his legs and he's got these, these marks and these bites and these cuts and it just looks horrible. And then the child says, looks up to the reporter, puts his shorts down and says, but the legs ain't nothing. You should see my arms. And then the young child begins to show the arms. And the arms look way worse to where the father's grip would not let go of that child. Look way worse than the alligator. And what I'm trying to tell you today is sometimes there's these pains and there's these hurts in your life, but you got to understand these are only surfaces of what's really going on and it's God's love is holding on to you and it won't let you go. And even though it hurts right now, God's love is pursuing you. It's chasing you and it wants you and it will not stop at nothing. Amen? Because sometimes we have these pains and these holes and these hurts in our lives. And we say, look what the devil did, look what the devil did. And sometimes it's not the devil. Sometimes it's God. Because he loves you so much. For God loved the world so much, he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross. To have his side pierced with a spear. To wear a crown of thorns. To be spit on, to be mocked, to have his clothes ripped, to have stakes through his arms, through his ankles, to hang and and bleed and die. For God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to do that. And in the natural, it may seem like that the devil was winning. But how many know God's love prevailed? Amen. God's love prevailed. And God's love is going to hang on to you. Even in those moments where it, it feels distant, it, He still loves you. It's still there. Even when you're insecure about it, you know, God loves you. It's still there. God's hanging on to you. I love that song. That's why I always love to sing that part. Even when it don't look like He's working, He's working. Amen. Even when it don't look like God's love is there, God's love is there. Amen. And He won't let you go. God loves you, saints. So love has everything to do with our salvation. And, you know, very quickly, what does love have to do with our relationships? John 13, John 13, 34. And the Word of God reads, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you. That's pretty hard, ain't it? I want you to love everybody like I loved you. That you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Oh, but they're not going to know by the the awesome message that I preach. They're not going to know by all the service that I do for you, God. They're not going to know by the the tongues and the way I can prophesy and the way I can lay it down. No, 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 no. Jesus said, no, disciples. They're going to know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. Amen. Amen. That's how they're going to know. That's how the world's going to know. Amen? That's how it comes in our, our, our walk in ministry and, and discipleship and with our disciples and with our brothers. But how many know love is the foundation of the family life too? You see, love, not the ability to have children, is the only way you can build a successful family. Some people think they just have a lot of kids and that's how you create a family. 
No, a family is built on love. That's the foundation. Amen? And years ago, before I'd even come into ministry, God had gave me this revelation, and uh, he had showed me if, if you ever... If you ever, you know, want to get close to your significant other, how many know the reality is you have to get close to God? And check this out. You know, God gave me this, put the triangle up. God gave me this years ago. Before I even came in ministry, God showed me this. If you want to get closer to your husband, ladies, you need to get closer to God. And if you got the right man, guess what? He's getting closer to God. And as you both get closer to God, this is geometry here. You're in nature going to get closer to each other. Are y'all seeing that? The closer you get to Christ, the closer you get to each other. Amen? But sometimes if you ain't married, sometimes you find out the closer you get to Christ, the farther you get away from that sorry sucker. So God trying to tell you something, girl. Stepping on all kinds of toes. I ain't got time for that, brother. You need to get close to Jesus. I'm trying to get close to you, girl. No, I'm getting close to Jesus. You pull that that chapter 13 out, love is patient. Amen. Even when eros fades from our marriages, because it can, and it will from time to time. Amen. She ain't always going to look like that. I ain't always going to look this good, Faith. <laughs> One good thing I got going for me is I, I package came bald, so you ain't got to worry about me losing hair. <laughs> that, one, that one's out of there. You ain't got to worry about that. It was already gone. Amen. When eros fades from our marriages, because it can, even when storge dries up in our families because of differences, because of challenges, because sometimes, man, just, you know, having a family's rough, you know, and it can get hard, and, you know, you can, you can have some real offenses and some real bitterness rise up between family members. And, and when, phileo, when phileo love no longer finds a, a home in your heart because of offenses, because of bitterness towards your brother, because of bitterness towards your sister. How many know that agape is always there for you to pull from in these times? Amen? You see, this agape love, this is how marriages last. When you choose to love that person because you love them for who they are. And you understand love because you know how much God loves you, so you're able to reciprocate that love to your significant other. This is how families stay together. During these challenges, during these times, just like little Susie who wrote the letter is like, Mom, I hate you. Love, Susie. It's like I may be mad at you, but hey, there's a love I have for you. And I'm always going to love you because you're my brother, you're my sister, you're my mom, you're my father. This is how our church is going to continue to grow and stay unified. Even when offense rises up, even when bitterness comes our way between a relationship or between a couple in the church or a couple in the ministry or some people get into it, they have differences, challenges, whatever. Guess what? At the end of the day, hey, we're family and I love you. Amen? There's something that holds us together. Me and pastor could have an argument. We could have a disagreement. You know, I could be getting chewed out about something. 
But guess what? I still love my pastor even in the moment I'm going through something. Are you with me? There's an underlying thing that holds us together, and it's the agape love. And this is how our ministry, this is how our ministry, our pastor and our ministry was able to go forward, even through the persecution, even through the trials, even through the challenges. Why? Because we had a love for God. And that love for God allowed us to push forward no matter how hard it got. And this love, this is what you have to have in order to go forward in Christianity, to be a successful Christian. Amen? This love can allow you to weather any challenge that comes your way here on earth. And in a time where the word love is greatly abused, it's important to remember that the fundamental component of biblical agape love is not affection. It's not affection. It's commitment. It's commitment. You know, we tell the guys all the time, you know, you say you want to do this and you want to do that and you're going to stay for the year and you want to become a pastor and you want to serve God. And, but are you still going to feel like that and make that commitment even when the feeling has left you when you made that commitment? Because commitment is staying loyal to what you said you would stay loyal to even when the feeling left when you said you would stay loyal to it. Because agape love is not based on affection. Because sometimes your spouse ain't always affectionate. And sometimes you don't always want to show affection. And so the question is, are you committed to that person? Are you going to find the nearest exit? Love isn't about affection. It's about commitment. You know how I know? Because God made a commitment to us. He made a covenant to us. God didn't once say, oh, I love you, so I'm going to do this, and be like, I don't love you no more. Give me my son Jesus back. No, God made a commitment to us. God made a covenant to us. He said, listen, I'm going to send my son Jesus to die for you, and if you accept him, we are going to be in covenant together. We're going to be in commitment together. Are you with me? It's the same way in marriage. That's why in marriage, if you try to go beyond the veil, amen, Before you're married, you're doing things out of order. Amen? In order to take that that eros to take place in your marriage life, there has to be a covenant first. There has to be a commitment with each other first. Amen? There has to be a covenant. And I'm telling you, man, it's it's our duty to teach our children, to teach our disciples, to, to teach the church, the body of Christ, these types of things. Are you with me? But agape love continues to love even when we're not lovable. And, you know, Paul, Paul, uh, worship team, you can come up. Paul, Paul told Timothy, he said, listen, Timothy, you have to be an example in word. You have to be an example in deed. And you know what he said next? You have to be an example in love. Why do you think Paul would tell Timothy that? I can tell you why he told him that. Because a lot of times the people that Timothy had to deal with weren't always going to be lovable. Amen. So Paul made it a point to tell young Timothy, he's like, hey, you're going to you're going to get with some people that it's going to be really hard for you to love them. But, hey, you need to be an example of God's love to them by continuing to love them. Amen. Amen. And so what does what does love have to do with it? Everything. What does love have to do with our walk with God, our personal walk? You see, love is the foundation of Christianity. And if we are to ever reflect that love, we first have to genuinely receive that love. 
And I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, if you're faking love, you're going to be found out quickly. Amen? You see that fake love stuff might have worked in high school. Huh? Oh, I love you, girl. I love you so much. But as soon as she said, uh-uh, you off to the next one. And it's the same way in Christianity. You say you love God. But how about the first time he puts the brakes on something you want? Because true love is going to continue to go forward. But if you're just faking this thing, huh? You're going to get found out. It's like we up there telling God, oh, God, I love you. I love you, God. Romans 12, 9 says, let love be without hypocrisy. Don't be a hypocrite in love. Amen. And saints, if we don't have love in our walk with God, if you don't have, if you're in ministry and and you lose your love, you're not going to have a willingness to help people no more. Because the only thing that, that, that influences us and, and gets us to want to help people and serve and do ministry is the love of God. It's the love of God. Our willingness to serve others goes away when we no longer do it out of love. You know, Jesus said in the Gospels, He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And a lot of times, you know, if you try to get real religious with it, you can start having all these checklists and and making sure you pray this amount of time and make sure you come to church this much and make sure you do this and do that because I'm I'm supposed to love God, so I got to do all this. I got to go run around and do this and do that and serve and do this. But the reality is, how many know sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it? And I believe Jesus that day, that's not what he was saying. That's not the way he was saying it. The way Jesus was saying is, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Because if you really love God, that obedient life is going to flow out of that love for him. Amen? So you ain't got to stress yourself by doing this and doing that and feeling like you have to accomplish this and doing this and doing that and to, to get God's favor and to get God to love you. No, God loves you. And if you love him, this stuff will flow out of you. Amen? That's why when somebody's on fire for the Lord, you ain't got to tell that person to go tell somebody about Jesus. That person is going to go tell somebody about Jesus. Amen? 1 Peter 4, 8, I'm closing. What does love got to do with it? You can stand to your feet. Valentine's Day. And the word says this. Peter, as he wrote his general letter, he said, Above all saints, keep fervent in your love for one another. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Love is the most powerful force, man, in our Christian walk. That's how you got brought into this thing was by love. Amen? It was by love. So this is all just going to be open if you want to come hit your knee.